Hello, I'm Doug Martin. And I'm Tasha Martin. Together, we share the joy of personal relationship with Jesus, marriage, children, and serving Vision Church in Lake Worth as pastors. Well, as the worship leader, I just want to invite you to come and worship with us. Well, something special happens when you come into the presence of God and His people in worship. As the lead pastor, I want to invite you to a very friendly and warm church that has a vision that it wants to share with everyone, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us. We're glad that you've decided to listen to our podcast, and I hope that if you're close enough to visit, you'll come by at 9.45 a.m. on Sunday morning, and after the service, say hello to us in the foyer. We would love to meet you. You can also connect with us at visionchurch.ag, on Facebook at agvisionchurch.ag, and on YouTube by searching for Vision Church Assembly of God. Here's my husband, Doug, preaching a message from Sunday. Good morning, Vision Church. I'm bringing you greetings from the nation's capital, technically the southern edge, Crystal City, Virginia. I'm wanting to record this and send it on its way so you can see it this morning. And I wanted to let you know we had a great, a great event most of the day on Saturday. I'm hoping you were able to join us by way of internet, by way of coming to the church. And it's something, it's a gift that's going to continue giving in the life of our church. Another thing I wanted to do was connect us once more with the idea of this is my story. We're opening our heart, first of all, understanding that God's story is the basis for all of our stories. And we're trying to find where we can write the chapters of what God is doing in our life. Now we have a special opportunity this morning to hear from Pastor Brian and Pastor Cindy. Uh, They're married, of course, and a team in ministry, and I'm jealous that I'm not there with you to hear this. Some of their story I know, and some of their story is going to be new to me as it is to you. So I'm just going to invite you to open your heart and receive from them as as a congregation, we continue with the idea of this is my story. So take it away, Pastor Brian and Pastor Cindy. Well, a lot of you do know our story, but um, for those of you who don't, it'll be new. My dad made the comment he wanted to come to see how he measured up as a parent. <laughs> I said, well, come Sunday and you'll find out. <laughs> Um, but we wanted to start out by, you know, we're going to go way back. Um, so your first memory of church, what your home life was like, share that. I know a lot of people know it, but share that. Well, if you didn't know, I'm a preacher's kid. So uh, I was introduced to the gospel probably right out of the cradle or right out of the hospital, I guess, for that matter. Uh, my dad was a pastor. He was an evangelist uh, for a long time as well. So uh, I grew up in a very stable Christian home. Let me tell you, as an adult now, I realize just how important that was and what that meant. Because I see a lot of people that were raised up in uh, homes that weren't so nice. And they had to overcome the issues that mom or dad had. Uh, But I was blessed. At the time, maybe I didn't feel as blessed as I do now. Uh, But even in my youngest recollections, uh, I can think of maybe one or two times in my entire childhood that I I felt uh, not bad, but I didn't didn't like being a preacher's kid. 
because uh, I couldn't be a Boy Scout because I, they had church on Wednesdays and they had Boy Scouts on Wednesdays, so I couldn't go to Boy Scouts. So there for just a little while, but I got over that. And then uh, some of the kids wanted to go to the movies, and Mom and Dad just said, no, not that one. You know, so I pouted for a little bit, but I got over it. But I realized just how important that was to grow up in a Christian home where I didn't have to fight alcoholism. I didn't have to, to fight uh, mom or dad cussing one another or hitting one another. I had a good home life. And as, as that goes, I was introduced into the gospel, and I grew up with it. I, 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 I've been in church all my life, and I remember as a little kid, even in, I, I forget where it was, I think it was in Florida, uh, they would be hooping and hollering and carrying on. This would have been, you know, 60s. So uh, they were hooping and hollering and carrying on, and I was just sound asleep under the bench, letting them do their thing, you know. When you grow up in that, you know, you, you understand. And I think David mentioned it last week uh, or something to the effect that when I bring friends to church, I think, oh, Lord, don't let them, don't, don't let them do that. Please don't let them do that, you know. And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't, but I kind of felt skittish. And, uh, but I got over that, too, so I don't really care anymore so if they like it or not. But I had a great home life. Um, I, too, had a, a great home life. I never remember my parents, you know, fussing or fighting too much. and <laughs> A little bit. Um, but, no, I mean, there was no alcohol in the home. There was none of that that I remember. Um, even, you know, when I was little. The first really remembrance I have of church, though, was going to base chapel in California. My dad was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base out in the middle of the desert. And um, we went there maybe, I only remember really once. We may have gone more, but I don't think so. I think it was just kind of boring. <laughs> and, my parent, and my mom was raised in church, and I don't know really if, about if dad was or not. Um, but my grandfather, I don't think, went to church. Um, my dad's dad. But um, I remember moving to Texas, and uh, we w had just moved in, and Gloria Wilson knocked on the door, and she wanted to invite, you know, introduce herself, invite the family to church, but she asked if she could take their daughter to church, to missionettes, and so um, that was back in the day when your parents said, sure, you can go with anybody. <laughs> so they let me go, and uh, Gloria picked me up for missionettes, and then she picked me up for Sunday school and church. And then pretty much every time Gloria was at church, I was at church. And Gloria tells the story of me praying for my parents to come to church. And I would always pray for them to come to church. I really don't remember that, but Gloria says that, that I did. And um, from what I remember, it was one Sunday, and, and from what I recall Dad saying, is this a cry and shame that the only person in this family going to church is Cindy? And from now on, we're all going. And they all went. We all went after that. So um, my father decided that his family would be in church. And so we have been ever since, ever since then. So um, that, that's, that's, that's that part. <laughs> um, and let me say something real quick, too. I'm glad that they did come uh, because uh, I got to meet her. <laughs> We dated off and on during high school and such as that, and finally I said, hey, I want to marry you, and she said, yeah. So. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the first, uh, do you remember being baptized? 
Uh, do I remember being baptized for the first time? No. Um, just being honest, I don't remember the first time because, you know, when you grow up in church, you see it all the time. Uh, and as a kid, uh, you know, Sunday mornings I'd get saved. Monday morning I'm going to school. By the next Sunday I needed to get saved again. You know, preacher's kids still do that. Uh, so my introduction into the salvation or the message of the cross, you know, was from an early age, and I, I knew what to do. My parents instilled in me that when you do wrong, you know, you just come to the Lord for forgiveness. And as far as uh, the baptism, uh, I'm going to say that we got baptized, or I got baptized uh, at a young age. But one that I do remember is when we were in England, or I was in England, I don't know if you were there yet, uh, servicemen centers went to one of their churches and uh, got baptized in the North Sea. That was cold. <laughs> but that's what I remember about baptism. Uh, I remember, um, as I recall, and I kept telling my dad, when I tell this story, remember you're going off my memory. So it's as I recall. So don't hold anything against me. But as I recall, we were baptized at the same time, or the same service. Is that Gloria saying yes? Okay, thank you, Gloria. Yes, that's as I recall. And because I thought that was, even at that age, I thought that's pretty special, you know, to get to be baptized at the same time as your, your parent is baptized. And so that was kind of a special time there. Do you remember the first time you were baptized? The first time. I kind of see you the first time. Do you remember when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? I do. I remember, uh, for those of you that's been around for a while, you remember CAs? And then I think it was once a month we would have a CA rally and go to different churches. And we just happened to have one at River Oaks at the time. And I remember that night that uh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, slain in the Spirit all at the same time. And uh, I don't remember falling, so evidently it didn't hurt me too bad. But I just remember that distinctly at one of those uh, youth rallies at CAs. I don't remember specifically when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I know I was, but I, don't, I couldn't tell you specifically. I do, I, I get two things mixed up in my head, and Gloria might be able to help me with this too. <laughs> I remember when we went to church in White Settlement, there was a, a group came in from Sagu, and they sang and everything. And uh, I remember being at the altar with one of the girls who was praying with me. And I cannot remember if that's when I got saved or that's when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. All I remember is it was pretty awesome. That's all I remember. But um, so that I can't, you know, give you really any specifics because I've been saved a long time. <laughs> I'm getting older and it's getting farther back there. Um, when did you first feel kind of nudged into the ministry? The first time I really, I say, I kind of felt like I was nudged into the ministry when I was a young guy there in River Oaks and Dad was the pastor. Um, I felt like I wanted to be a minister, and I say it like that because I felt like I wanted to be a minister because I, I hung out with my dad, I hung out with all his preacher friends, and I knew the lifestyle, and I thought, it's pretty cool, I want to do this. But it wasn't until uh, after Cindy got ordained that uh, I felt that that real genuine spiritual urge to become a minister uh, because, it, like Jess said, it's, it's sad when your wife's the, the preacher of the house. Um, so I felt like it was important for me to get myself credentialed as well and licensed so that we could be a ministering team. And that's when I really felt like that the Lord wanted me to end the ministry to be part of this team. 
I was, um, for myself, I was watching TV one day and flipping channels, and I came across this lady who was preaching, and she was preaching in front of quite a few people, and on the bottom, it had prophetess somebody. Okay, well, that, that kind of irks me, I'm just going to tell you, because, you know, people just kind of give themselves all these titles and stuff, and I thought, oh, boy, I'll, I'll, listen, I'll listen to her for a minute, you know, see what she has to say. And I don't even remember what she had to say, but what I remember is I had this feeling, almost, it wasn't an audible voice, but the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, you're supposed to be doing that. And I thought, where did that come from? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know? Uh, so I really, it kept coming back and coming back over a whole year. It was a year, and I kept arguing with the Lord. You couldn't be talking to me. Something's weird here, because why would he call me, of all people, into ministry, you know? And I thought, this will just never work. This just won't, won't be able to happen. And finally, I really felt sternly that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, are you going to do this or not? I won't ask you again. And I thought, okay, I have to do it. I have to do it. And I told him, I said, okay, Lord, you know there's obstacles here. If you can get me through these obstacles, I mean, I'm yours, but you're going to have to walk me through it. And every, every turn, he was there, and he moved things out of my way, and he just totally opened the door for me. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So that, that was really, that. And, and I remember at one point saying why, oh, and another time when I was going to get even ordained, and um, I was thinking about do I step up to that level, because in the Assemblies of God, you have like certified, licensed, and ordained. And so I thought, well, you know, as licensed, you can do everything you can do as ordained. It's just, you know, a step up, but so, but I really felt like I was supposed to be ordained, and I had the Lord had confirmed it to me a couple of times, and I was already working on it, and Linda Kennedy came up to me one Sunday, and she said, I don't know what you're supposed to be doing, but the Lord woke me up last night, and whatever it is he's talking to you about, you better do it. <laughs> and so then I said, well, Lord, I was already working on it. Why, why, did you have to, why did you feel like I needed to hear it three times, you know? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, because when you doubt it, and you will, I want you to know that you know that you know that I called you. So, so um, how do you think being saved and being in the church has affected our married life? How do I think being saved and being in the church has affected our marriage, yeah. marriage life? Uh-huh. Um, there's nothing bad you can say about any of that. Uh, I would imagine it's a challenge when one person isn't saved and the other one is, when one's going to church and the other one isn't. Uh, that unequally yoked thing, you know, comes into play. Uh, so I think us both being saved and uh, both going to church has uh, enhanced and made our marriage stronger because we know the biblical values of marriage, and as such, we treat each other that way, and our marriage benefits from it. Well, you had told me a story about before we got married and how you were living then and how you knew you needed to change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. That's not even one of those questions on the list. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, I was in the service, and uh, those of us that have been in the service, you realize the service life that uh, you have to deal with. And so uh, as a young man, I was out of high school. I wanted to get away from Fort Worth, Texas. So I joined the Air Force, went away, and uh, it wasn't too long, maybe a day or two. Well, as soon as I got out of basic training, that's what it was, that I started drinking. And, uh, man, I just love beer. Being honest and straight up with you about it, I enjoyed it. then uh, we would go drinking. The buddies would go drinking. And uh, I would call Cindy from England about the time she's getting off work or, or home. And that minute was like way early morning in England. And you know, if you know me, I'm not awake at 9 o'clock at night. So if I'm up at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's, there's a reason. Um, and I knew. I knew that it was not the right way to live. And I knew that Cindy wouldn't tolerate it. So uh, when I asked her to marry me and I came home that uh, May, I gave it all up, first off, because uh, it wasn't the right thing to do. And then secondly, because I loved her and I knew that would not be well with her. And I thank the Lord. This is kind of an interesting thing that um, when I did, I never had the craving for it thereafter. Uh, Every now and then I'd take me a smoke, but I never had the craving for cigarettes. I never had, I never did do drugs. I was scared to death of that stuff. But, uh, when she said I'll marry you and I said yes or she said yes and uh, I came home and that was the last time I'd taken a drink gotten over it well I think also that that kind of goes to show that you know when you do know the Lord um, he helps you in marriage because you give up things for the other person and you want the best for the other person so you have more of a servant's heart so a lot when you are where you're supposed to be with the Lord and you're married then you put the other person first. It's not all about me anymore. It's about them. And so I think that's a testament of that as well. Then um, describe any out-of-the-ordinary kind of God moments that you've had in your Christian walk. When we got this paper, I guess last week, it's the first time I've seen it, um, started thinking about this stuff. And I remember one, and it's been... um, probably 1994 when it happened, so it's been a long time ago. Uh, I worked at the Prattville Fire Department, and uh, that particular day I was on transfer duty, meaning I was off duty, and if there's a transfer, I'd come to the station, we'd get in the reserve ambulance and take somebody to the hospital. And uh, so we were picking up a person there in Prattville and taking them up to Birmingham, and it was about an hour and a half drive in this ambulance. And uh, man, we just get in the ambulance and we go. We go to the hospital, pick up the patient, patients on oxygen and we go about halfway there I looked over at the oxygen gauge and it was right at zero and I'm thinking oh lord help me you know because this person needs it more than I do obviously and uh, so I prayed lord you know what needs to happen you know what to do and lord I pray that you would just help this oxygen to last until we get them to the doors at the hospital in Birmingham and I kid you not when uh, Lynn opened the back doors. I took the tubing off of the uh, gauge. I didn't even turn it off because I knew there wasn't nothing in there. As soon as I took it off, I heard a psh, and that was it. There was absolutely no more oxygen. And the whole trip, there's a little bag that's on their mask that lets you know when that it's got oxygen in it. That thing never did deflate. And I thought, thank you, Lord, that you answered a prayer that day for me. I know the guy benefited from it, but it was for me. So I remember that today. 
I remember, um, and I, the ladies have heard this story several times. I've, I've shared it in Bible study, but um, we had uh, this huge room where I worked before, medical records at an outpatient imaging center, this huge room, and there were just files, 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 rows and rows of files. And, you know, they all had different numbers. And if you misfiled anything, it was like a needle in a haystack. You just couldn't find it. You would spend days going one by one by one looking for what you were looking for. And we had uh, a cancer patient who had come and had borrowed his images. And back then it was all film. So I was back in the old days. So he brings his jacket full of film back. Somebody files it. And uh, then he comes back needing to check it out again for, for another doctor, an oncologist. And we looked, and we looked, and we looked. I had staff, different pair of eyes going through looking each row, and I'm talking rows. And finally, I just said, Lord, this man needs his images. He needs them. Show me where they are. A number popped into my head. So I went to look where that file number was, and right beside that number that popped in my head was this man's jacket. And the Lord, I mean, that's just not something that's going to happen. That's just not happenstance. That is the Lord answering questions or answering the prayer. So I went and I thought, I cannot keep this to myself. I've got to tell everybody what God just did. And so I brought out this jacket. They're like, where did you find that? And I said, God gave me a number, and it was right by the jacket of you know, that number. And they said, why didn't you pray a week ago? <laughs> We've been looking for this for a week. So, but that, that's one instance. There, there have been times when you just have seen the hands of God in different ways in your life. But to me, that was just like a totally, nobody could say that was a coincidence. That is not a coincidence. So, um, describe a time in your life when you felt like you'd grown spiritually indifferent or kind of felt far away from the Lord. There was a time in my life, and we had been married uh, several years. We, both the boys were here, so it had been a while. Um, I'm going to preface this with, for the, for whoever, uh, don't challenge the enemy. Don't say that will never happen to me. Or, yeah, I'm above all that. All these other people are weak, but I'm strong. Well, the one thing I thought I was strong in was the one thing I was weakened. And I had an issue there for a while. And uh, for a while, a long time, I kept it to myself. And then finally it, it reared its ugly head. And... Uh, even though I knew God and, and at the time I was still feeling uh, that I was doing wrong, the Holy Spirit was telling me, don't do that. And I was like, okay, do it anyway. Um, I ignored the Holy Spirit until finally one day it came to the, the bottom of the barrel. This is it. You either do or you don't. And uh, I fell on my face before the Lord, begged his forgiveness, and thanked the Lord that he is a forgiving God. And uh, he can restore he can restore, he restored me in that, that time. Uh, he restored our marriage at the time. And uh, God has just really done that for me. So even though you know God, you know about God, you may be a Christian, don't ever challenge the enemy. 
because he will rear his ugly head one day, and when he does, you better be ready. And if you're not ready, you're going to be defeated. But thank the Lord that even in the defeat, he can still reach down and find you and touch you and bring you back. I would say for me, it was several years of um, trying to have kids. We um, wanted to have children, and we had some issues, so um, we decided to go the, the route of fertility pills, and so we, we did that, and um, for a long time, seemed like, um, and, it, and it's just a, a chore, let me tell you, because um, you have to go get all this blood work, and you know, they're testing you all the time, and it's just like, you know, your pin cushion and all of that, so uh, we did that, and uh, Nothing, nothing happened, you know, so we kept going, and finally, I thought, okay, Lord, I don't know, I've never even asked you if I'm supposed to be taking these fertility pills, or I'm supposed to be doing any of this stuff, I've never asked, so, and I don't know, I'm asking you now, but I really don't know which way to go, I mean, I'm already doing it, so I said, okay, I'm going to stay on them one more month, and then I'm going to stop taking them. And if it's your will for me to get pregnant on them, then okay. If not, then I'll just go on and we'll just, you know, I don't know. It's almost like a fleece. I don't know which way to go. So that very next month, I got pregnant with Kyle. So had Kyle. um, And then about uh, maybe a year after I had Kyle, started the same thing again because we wanted to have another one. And uh, ended up with four miscarriages and the midst of eight, uh, six years, six years. And um, during this time, I felt like a terrible wife because I didn't feel like I could give my husband another child. I felt like uh, a terrible Christian because I was struggling so much with the Lord, with doubt that maybe he didn't really even love me. Um, doubt that I just wasn't, didn't have enough faith to make it happen. I felt like it was on me, you know, and um, I just felt like a failure as a woman because, you know, that's part of what our job is, you know, you think, and so I felt like a total failure the whole way around, so I um, got to so low at one point that, um, and I had I know I've told this before as well, but um, I was leaving the the doctor's office just to hear the words, you don't have a viable pregnancy once again. And um, there were always trucks just going by, you know, delivery trucks really fast down this one road. And uh, I thought, I'm just going to step out in front of one. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm the lowest of the low. I'm bawling. I'm, you know, I mean, I just... And I thought, I'm just going gonna, gonna to step right out in front of it. Everybody will think it's an accident, and then my pain will be over. That's just what I thought. And uh, there wasn't a truck <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I was looking. I stood there for a minute. There's no truck. I get in the car, and I'm bawling because I think now I have to call Brian and tell Brian, once again, there's not going to be a baby, you know? So as I'm sitting there, the Lord says, I gave you Kyle. I, in that moment, 
I wasn't thinking about what God had given me. My focus was on what I didn't have. And that's what happens when we get in that place. And that's what happened with me. And so once I, I finally quit taking the fertility pills and stuff because it just made me crazier than I already am, if y'all can imagine that. But it did. So, um, I, and, you know, I just, I finally got to the point where I said, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. If it's not your will for me to have any more children, I'm good with it. And I was really good with it. I really was. I had to get to that point where what God wanted was above what I wanted. And I had to totally turn it over to him and had to quit hanging on to that. And when I did that, I had just been to the doctor for my yearly physical. And he said, well, you know, without the fertility pills, that the chance of you getting pregnant are low, extremely low. And with all the miscarriages you've had, the chance of you carrying this baby are zero. I said, I understand that. And I was fine with it. And the next month I was in his office and I said, I need a pregnancy test. And now we have Drew. (laughs) So it's just turning it over. I had to get to that point where I let God have control of my life, no matter what it is, no matter if it's what I really if it means I have to go a different direction, you know, I have, to, I have to get to that point, and we can't keep hanging on to stuff like that. To go along with that, uh, as adults, we think we know it all, right? We've got this thing whooped. Uh, I'm, I'm armed with the same knowledge that Cindy's armed with. I would take Kyle to bed, we would take Kyle to bed, and every night we would pray for him, you know, you know what do you want to pray about tonight? And without fail, that mama have a little baby boy or girl. A baby. And I remember thinking when he would say that to me, there's no way, son. But that little innocent mind had the faith to believe. So now when uh, Drew gets on Kyle's nerves, I just remind him that, you know, (laughs) you prayed for him. So (laughs) you asked for it. (laughs) He also said, but I wanted a sister. I said, well, you weren't specific. (laughs) You just said a baby. So, um... What challenges, what sorts of questions challenge you in your daily walk? What sort of questions challenge me in my daily walk? My biggest challenge in my daily walk is defeating myself. Uh, Because I wake up in the morning, a lot of times I turn in my bed and I'm thinking, Lord, go with me today, bless me in everything I do, you know, be what you want me to do. Walk with me, Lord. And then uh, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go read my Bible, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, squirrel. Next thing I know, I spent two hours uh, doing what I do best, uh, Legos. <coughs> and then it's like, well, now I'm hungry. i got to go eat. And then uh, well, I need to go finish this. So my whole day, a lot of times, I have to overcome Brian. I have to overcome what my selfish ambition for that particular day is to put God first. And if I don't make the conscious effort to do that, then I'll just be caught up in the day, and it's nighttime, it's 7.30, and I'm over there drooling on myself in the recliner, and the day's done. I'm done by then. You know, I thought when I got ordained that I would start, like, floating a couple of inches off the ground, (laughs) and nothing would ever be a challenge spiritually for me again, you know? And the Lord would just be there, Johnny, on the spot every time, you know, there would be no struggles None of that happened. I'm just as human as anybody else. 
I have to get up and make myself. Some days I get up and I am so excited to get in the Word and I just can't wait. And there are some days I just don't want to. My flesh just doesn't want to. So that, like Brian said, really conquering self, I think is every human's (laughs) lot in life. (laughs) Just to, uh, you know, make sure that we're putting the Lord first and conquering our our own flesh. Um, What connection... Do you, uh, this is, a lot of people already know this, but what connection do we have with this particular church body? How did we come to this church body? Well, first off, it wasn't by choice. <laughs> and those of you that know me know that, that I had no choice in the matter. Uh, I'm not sure when it was, but I was a little guy, maybe eight or nine, I don't know, somewhere in that area. Uh, Dad was an evangelist, and uh, he met Brother Clark, and uh, next thing I know, we are in Fort Worth, Texas, and Daddy's the pastor of River Oaks Assembly of God Church. So that's when I had the first connection to this church. And all my my years until I joined the Air Force, uh, it was church. Then uh, in 1981, I left home. We came back in 1997. And uh, so the first thought was, well, you know, I'll tell you another funny story. We lived in Alabama, 700 miles away. We let Justin Georgia know, hey, we're moving back to Texas. And then they move away. <laughs> so I don't, there may be a story there. They moved to Decatur. So our families, as far as that goes, the connection there with moms and dads wasn't in the church. But we knew people, Buddy and Rita, Dot, you know, different people in the church. That was our connection to the church. And we came back and just kind of naturally got into it. We had some challenges at first because we were the new guys. And there were, there were several people that, that were new to us. And uh, I remember one challenge we had. We had gone to uh, some big shindig as a church. And uh, everybody that knew everybody, they went to this one table and gravitated there. Well, there wasn't room for Cindy and I. So we just kind of stepped back, sat down, and next thing you know, we got all the kids at our table. So our feelings, I'm going to just be honest, our feelings were a little hurt at first. But I think we were mature enough to know that a this really isn't who the people are. and uh, But as time went on, we just become part of the church, naturally assimilated in. And so this really, the, the body, as far as the River Oaks Assembly of God Church, is where we first started, and that's how we're here. That's why I did not like seeing Annabelle and David sitting at the table by yourselves. On the <laughs> 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 that's why I said, y'all can come over here. <laughs> but... um. Anyway, I'm going to, really, that's, that's our story, um, but I'm going to let Brian close it out for us. He's got something he wants to share. Um, I listen to the radio on the way to work. A lot of times I'll just put it on BAP to hear the traffic, and then after that I don't, you know, there's a lot of nonsense. So I'll flick it over to uh, Air One and listen to it coming in. Well, they started playing a song that, uh, and it was just one of those songs I just turn up. I listened to and uh, they played it yesterday and I thought you know that really is if I could say this is my story this is a song and I'm not putting uh, I'm not putting a lot of weight on the the songwriters but I'm just going to tell you this song is really something that meant a lot to me and can define my story and as I thought about it there's really not a single one of us here or on the line or wherever that can't sing this same song with the conviction that that is my story 
And it's a song I'm sure you're familiar with. It's The Goodness of God by Bethel Music. We can't play it because of the Facebook thing. So I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics to it um, and let it speak to you, okay? Because it spoke to me. And let it be a defining moment in your life. It says, I love you, Lord. That should be our first thing. Lord, I love you. Oh, your mercy never fails. That's one thing we can always say, that his mercies will never fail. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Verse 2, I love your voice. Man, we need to fall in love with the love of, the, of God, his voice. We need to be in a place where we can hear it first off and then to love it. You have led me through the fire. Literally, he's led me through the fire, not in the job, but in my life. In the darkest nights, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. And the course is this. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, God has been faithful to me. Whether I was there in it or not, he's been faithful to me. All my life, you have been so, so good. I was telling Cindy, I've had, a, I've had a spectacular career, and I know that everything that I've done in the career part, that it's because God has given me the ability, he's put me in the right place at the right time. Every time I've taken a promotional exam and been up for a promotion, I've always been promoted, whether I wanted to or not. This last time I was promoted to lieutenant, it's like, uh, whatever, I don't care. And after we take the test, she's like, you want to be a lieutenant? I don't care. You want me to be a lieutenant? Sure. Okay, I'm a lieutenant. I, I digress. I'm sorry. Squirrel. <laughs> it goes on to say, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I think that should be our prayer today. Let's just, uh, let's just take a moment, if you don't mind. Let's take a moment. Either stand or raise our hands. And let's just sing, not sing, but say this to the Lord as a prayer to him. All my life, Father, you've been faithful. You've been faithful in the good times and the bad times, Father, when I've walked with you and when I've strayed from you, Father. You've always been faithful to me, Father. Your word has never failed. It's always the same. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit... Father, even when we're in the depths of sin, your Holy Spirit can still speak to our hearts. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is faithful to draw us, Father, to you, Father. You are so faithful, Lord. And all my life, Lord, you have been so, so good to me. Father, you have blessed me abundantly. You have been so, so good to me, Father, and I can't say it enough how good you've been to me, Father. And Lord, it's my prayer that as long as I draw breath, that I will sing of the goodness of my God. God, we sing the, your goodness. We sing our praises and glory and honor to you because you are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all praise, Father. We lift your name on high today, Father, because your name deserves to be on high, Father. At that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world. 
You are the only way to the Father. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit calls us. Lord, without that small voice, without that pull on our heart, Father, Lord, we may not ever know who you are, but your Holy Spirit is faithful to draw people to you, Father. God, you have been so, so, so very good to me and my family, Father. And Lord, I pray that as long as I draw breath, that I will sing your praises and sing of the goodness of our God. Thank you, Father. Amen. We hope that you've been touched by God's grace. As you've listened to our podcast today, we'd love to hear your response via email. And the address is podcast at visionchurch.ag. Podcast at visionchurch.ag. And if you're in the area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come and visit us personally. We're located at 4024 Dakota Trail in Lake Worth, Texas. We together have a vision, seeing Jesus for us, in us, and through us.